starting our Slay Hour with how influencers can reach out to brands. Our special guest is going to be Jasmine Chase. She works with Honey and she's in charge with all the marketing and the influencers. So, Jasmine, hi! Hi, how are you? Let's go ahead and let's just introduce yourself first before we hop into this discussion. All right, great. So I am Jasmine Chase. I am currently the influencer marketing manager at Honey. Um, before joining Honey, and really, I just joined Honey probably April. So I'm like the only person in the world that got a new job during the pandemic. <laughs> oh um, so I just joined, so I'm fairly new. Um, before that, I was at Cashmere, which is a multicultural agency in LA. I'm a super dope company. Um, they work with a lot of big brands like Google, Adidas, HBO, um, and they're really into the culture. So they kind of um, really kind of set the tone of for any brand that want to really get ingrained in the culture and really speak to like different type of multicultural backgrounds and audience and things like that. Um, prior to that, uh, I used to work at Evite and I actually launched Evite's influencer program back in like 2015. Oh, wow. So I've been in the space for a while now. Um, and so I've just kind of been able to watch it evolve into what it is today. And it's always changing. So it's consistently changing. And we don't know what the future holds for influencer marketing, um, especially with COVID. You know, I yeah. know that it's been, it's been some shifts in budgets and things like that. Um, but I think it's still a great time because people are at home. You know, people are consuming content and they want to look to the people, you know, who they look to for those answers and mm -hmm. for entertainment and for all those good things. So I think that, you know, it has some pros and cons. It changed it, but it didn't really make influencer marketing go away. Okay, so let's go ahead and talk about that. Let's talk about the ways that it has changed. So I think it has changed for certain verticals, right? So like with our travel influencers, you know, they can't really travel right now. But I think it's about being creative, right? Because you can't necessarily get on a plane and talk about like your international trip, but you can talk about like a staycation or like how to go glamping or like how to really, you know, maybe do a vacation in your backyard. You know, like, so I think that it's just about being a little crafty. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think that it's just about pivoting, right? Um, it's about what makes sense for you. What is your audience looking for? So like this, say we were into travel, um, but now everyone's at home and they're looking for new recipes. So maybe you might lean more into your cooking content. So I think it just really depends. But I don't think that like, I think that it changed for someone in a good way because people were able to maybe take a step back and think about their content calendars, right? Think about, yeah what type of influencer they really want to be, you know, and I think that that's kind of what this time during COVID has kind of given people a chance to. Um, at Honey, we didn't really have a shift in spending. We actually, our efforts continue to go. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, like we, we actually work a lot on the YouTube side um, with a lot of the YouTube creators. So we, you know, because people are home, people are shopping more online. Honey really didn't experience that interruption because people were doing more of what we kind of helped them do. And for people who don't know what Honey is, Honey is a web extension where if you're looking for coupons, like during your checkout, it'll search and crawl the web and find that best coupon for you and apply it to your checkout. So since people are at home doing that. It's incredibly you know. helpful. I'm just going to say it's incredibly <laughs> helpful. Everybody loves to save some money. Yes, for sure. And that's what we help people do. So, you know, that's what our whole mission is about is making money fair for everyone. Um, and we kind of have this uh, mission to like eventually get to a point where we can save like each family like a thousand dollars. So that's kind of like amazing. Goal. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, okay. So I know we're talking about kind of pivoting in the space a little bit. So mm -hmm. 
what have you seen? I know you said that Honey's not really changed that much when it comes to the influencers and who they're working with. But what type of changes are you seeing like uh, brands do in the influencers they are seeking? I think what I've been seeing, and I think this is even before COVID, you know, before influencer marketing was really focused on top of the funnel brand awareness. And I think as marketers get more savvier and we start to really understand influencer marketing more, I think that we're starting to look at more of down the funnel activity, like conversions, ROI, our spin. So we're really concerned about performance, you know, and before, you know, it was kind of like, we just want the eyeballs. Um, we just want the impression. But now we're like, well, how many people actually clicked on your link? How many people actually swiped up and went to our site? Um, for e-commerce brands, how many people actually bought that particular shirt or dress that the influencer wore? Mm -hmm. So I think that that's one of the things that, I am seeing a change is that people are looking for results, you know, and um, before that wasn't really a big thing for influencer marketing or marketers. But now people are trying to understand if we we're giving an influencer $150,000, what did we gain? You know, yeah. did we just gain, which I mean, like, would make sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Return on investment in a, in a type of thing. So exactly. we did, um, we did get one question here. Okay. Uh, can you make donations with honey to make the world a better place and relieve psychological pain? We are working on some things in response to COVID. Um, I can't really talk about the details right now, but we are working on some things to make life a little better. If you go on our site, and just so everyone knows, we just got acquired by PayPal. Oh, so we're a part of the PayPal family now. Thank you. <laughs> and because of that, especially with everything with like, you know, with the Black Lives Matter and everything that's mm -hmm. happening in the world right now, um, PayPal has pledged like $530 million to help, you know, Black-owned businesses and things like that. So mm -hmm. if you go to the site, you can kind of check out some of the things that we've been doing in response to COVID and, you know, to support Black Lives Matter and the other movements that's happening right now. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And congratulations again on being acquired. That's awesome. And then uh, to kind of shift and get back to what we were talking about too, you were talking about like returns on investment, especially when it comes to influencers, which is new in a sense, uh, but totally makes sense. So how do influencers, I guess, what can we do to make sure that we can return on the investment? I think one thing is like understanding the type of influence that you have, right? Understanding your audience, understanding who your audience is, right? Like what's their, your demographics? You know, where are they located? Honestly, knowing like previous campaigns when you worked with other brands, how did it perform? Like you kind of understanding that yourself. How many people did this content reach? When you're working with a brand, understanding too that they have business goals. Because the thing that I run into a lot is a lot of influencers, especially when they're repped by managers, it's all about the dollar, right? Yeah. Where it's like, that's fine because everyone has to get their coin. But it's more about like, you want to build this relationship, right? Because some brands are looking for a long lasting relationship with influencers. So it's more about how can I make this campaign really worth their while? So then they can, mm -hmm. you know, I can have like repeat business in a sense. Yeah. And also, too, on the, on the other side is like, don't take a check from everyone. Really take a check from who's aligned with your brand and things that you truly support. A lot of times people are just like accepting sponsored content deals when it's like they don't like the product. They don't really know about the product. And now their feed is flooded with sponsored content. And now their audience is not even looking to them as a reliable source. So, yeah, so I think that is more so like really, truly understanding your results so you can speak to that so even when you're negotiating your rate you can speak to your worth and you can say oh this last piece of content i did that was similar drove a thousand app downloads or whatever the case may mm -hmm. be so then a brand can really understand like oh they really understand their worth and they understand their performance so we should work with them 
what do you think stands out? Like if you representing Honey or, or another brand, what makes an influencer even stand out or catch your eye? So for me, I'm always looking for a good, a good fit, right? It always depends on the campaign and the campaign goals. So what I do is I try to like look at an influencer's feed. I'll look at their feed and I'll look at the type of content that they're putting out. I'll also look if they have a blog. I'll read some of that. And so I actually try to really get to know the influencer. Um, and so for me, I always look for like good quality content. I look at their engagement rate because I want to see like how high it is because that mm -hmm. is important. And then I look at, you know, I care about reach. But I also understand that that doesn't really mean much because we see like micro and nano influencers that really perform very well. So for me, I consider it, but I'm more so looking at, I care about content. I care about the quality of the content. And then I also care about like how engaged your audience is. Like I go in the comments, I'm reading, I'm seeing like what they're being, like what they're responsive to. Like I look to all of that to kind of make a decision if that person is a right fit for a campaign that I'm working on. So we kind of touched on like engagement with your audience and that kind of stuff. I guess, what are your biggest turnoffs when it comes to influencers? My biggest turnoff, honestly, is just a bad manager. Some people really need to know who is representing them. A lot of times I will walk away from a deal if a manager is being very petty about terms. You know, because for me, it's like, we want this both to work. I want it to work for you and I want it to work for the brand. So it's like, if you're just nitpicking every single thing, then for me, sometimes it's not worth the hassle. Or if you're overcharging and I know you're overcharging and you're not really giving me rhyme or reason of why, and it's just more so like, oh, this is $50,000, then that's kind of like a turnoff for me. Also too, I look at the posts, right? So if I see like huge inconsistencies between like engagement from post to post, that kind of like raises flag for me. If a person has really good content, then I'll like, they'll try to work with them. But for me, it's really about their management or who's representing them and about, uh, you know, like their engagement. Like if it, I see something that's off or something doesn't really make sense, then I'll be like, uh, maybe not. Or if they have too many sponsored posts, like back to back to back, mm -hmm. then that kind of like turn me off as well. Yeah, totally. So with COVID-19, and I mean, luckily, Honey hasn't really been that affected by it. There's a lot of other influencers and brands that are just like cutting dollars and all this kind of stuff. So, I mean, do you think that that's the trend that's coming? So one thing I think that is a trend is that now influencers who were overcharging, they have to really take a step back and think about their rates. Because I think now it's like, you can't really get what you're asking for. You know, right now you have to kind of understand that and kind of like barter a little bit more with some of these brands. I think honestly, more brands are going to be more like conscious about what they're spending. So I think that's going to be a shift. Like before, if they were just like blowing money on influencer marketing, now they're going to be like, well, why are we spending this? What's going to be our results? I think they're going to just watch the money a little bit more. You know, when it comes to content, I think that some of the content is still going to work, right? Because we still need to laugh. We still need entertainment. I mean, even traveling, right? If I want to know how to travel through COVID, you know, mm -hmm. if I'm scared and I'm like, how, where should I go? What's safe? What's yeah. open? Then I'm going to look to an influencer for that knowledge, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think it's about looking at the marketplace, looking to see what content has trended during these times. Like what are people interested in and figuring out if you can build out a niche around one of those things. Yeah. So even if you are, like we said, like the travel niche, just kind of reworking almost your aesthetic or what you're talking about to be a little bit more relevant. So I was doing some research too, and, and people are saying now like with influencers and brands 
that they're almost wanting to take this time where everybody, not everybody, but a good amount of brands are having difficulty with spending for marketing that influencers should really consider taking a less of a rate or even doing it for free just to build that relationship. How do you feel about that? Okay. So I think that they should rethink their rates. I do think they should do that. I don't know if I solely agree if they should do it for free only because everyone's having hard times, right? So like you need something, you know, and if a brand is coming to you and they have something to offer, even if it's a deal where like you get something on the back end for like everyone you get to sign up, or even if it's a product, like in exchange for a post, you'll get product. Mm-hmm. I say get something, but if it's a brand that you really want to work with, then I say that, you know, it is worth the chance of like doing it for free. If that's something that you really, you know, you really think that relationship is going to like turn into something, which I would do that. But I would say like get some type of compensation if you can. Um, yeah. You know, something. Yeah, we're it's our all time. I mean, yeah, I was gonna say we're it's all our raking, time, we're you know? not all like raking in the dough right now. Right. Um, so I guess what are you seeing with your influencers that you're working with now? Like, especially during COVID. To be honest, because nothing really changed with honey, I'm not really seeing a difference. I'm actually oh seeing people, especially on the Instagram side, people are still trying to charge top dollar, knowing that it's COVID. You know, so I'm not really seeing a difference. Like I, I've even had like conversations with some influencers. They're like, well, I know I, have to, I can't charge my regular rate, but their, their COVID rate is still insane. So it's like, <laughs> it's, it's just like, for me, I haven't seen a difference. I know like when I was at the agency, a lot of the things that we were working on just like came to a halt and they were just on pause. So it was like a lot of the campaigns just wasn't happening and we didn't know when, but it just hasn't been that same type of thing at Honey. Um, you know, we've been, you know, working, onboarding influencers every day since I got there, you know, so, you know, but we do understand that and some of the influencers that we are working with, they understand the COVID rates. So it's just kind of working through all of that and navigating that. But we unfortunately haven't seen, the, you know, haven't been hit like other people, but I have, you know, heard different things of like, you know, campaigns being canceled. Like I've talked to a lot of different reps and managers. Yeah, on I've, I've heard a lot about yeah. that too. Yeah, and then even them, like people that worked with the past, are like, well, do you guys have anything for us? You know, they're like, do you have something? <laughs> I'm like, I'll, I'll let you know we have something, you know. But yeah. um, so we haven't seen anything on our side. But I do know just with the chatter in the industry that, you know, people are, you know, being affected. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it all comes down to like dollar, uh, <laughs> dollar amounts and what you have and what you don't have. You know, we've been talking about different campaigns and different influencers. Are there some that really stand out to you that are just like a shining example of what works? Let's see. Let me think. I have the, the I guess, the pleasure of working on both sides. So I've worked on the brand side where it was just about brand awareness. And I can say like, oh, they really did a good job creating content. But when I look at like the numbers, it's like, it did okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you look at like, you know, likes, comments you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. I would say like when I joined Honey, I thought that it was interesting how they work with influencers just on the YouTube side. You just have to go and check out. I know if anyone's on YouTube, they've seen the Honey ad from an influencer. Mm-hmm. They're all over the place, you know? And so their method was interesting because I've always seen people try to like, oh, here's our product. You do your thing and try to integrate us, integrate us in a special way, right? In a unique way. But like at Honey, it's more so like, hey, this is honey. This is how it works. And, you know, you create like a 30, a 60 second video before your content starts. 
to kind of like plug us. So to me, it was like advertorial, which was like unique for me. I've never worked in that way, you know? So, I mean, like in the drastic differences, do you prefer one over the other? <laughs> you know what? No, I don't actually. I think that it's all very interesting. Um, and it's actually making me become a very well-rounded influencer manager that now I have seen like every aspect of influencer marketing, which is really is cool, right? Because mm -hmm. now like, I can do a lot of different things now. I know about a lot of different things. You know, I know how to like really work with influencers to create really great content for brands. But then I also know how to work on the performance side to really make sure content is really driving, you know, results for that mm -hmm. brand that they're looking for, whether it's downloads, um, signups, sales. So it's, it's just really good having both sides, like knowledge on both sides. Yeah, let's talk about both of those sides, honestly, because that's not something that I think a lot of influencers or even somebody who just knows what an influencer does understands. So let's just dive into both sides. So on the, I guess we would call it more on the brand side, more of the organic side, I would say is where it's more campaign based, right? More campaign focused, where like internally the marketing team would get together and they might have a calendar. Let's just say they have a calendar and they have like different events during the year that they're like, oh, we want to do something around gay pride. We want to do something around like Christmas or whatever, you know, and then they'll like come up with different campaign ideas and then they'll like say, okay, what type of influencers do we want to work with? And then they'll pick influencers and then they'll, you know, reach out to those influencers yep. and those influencers will basically figure out how they can bring that campaign to life in their unique way. Right. And then that's just more so if it's on Instagram, it's like at brand, you know, check them out. It's like nothing but that. It's like a shout out. Right. Yeah. But on the performance side, it's more of like you're provided with a link, you know, a unique link from that brand. That link is tracked. So on the back end, the, the brand can see how that performs. Usually it's in your bio or it's on your swipe up. And that's more so being watched to see like how many people are actually, are you actually driving to act, mm -hmm. right? And so that's more the, that's the biggest difference on the performance side is that they're actually looking to how many people actually come to our site, how many people actually did this action, Whereas on the other organic side, if you want to call it that, it's just like people are just like, oh, this shirt is cute and you should buy it. Go check out their, you know, go check out their social handle. So mm -hmm. there's not really true things. It's not really a true CTA, which is yeah. like a call to action. Yeah. Anyone, you know, so that's like the biggest difference. What are your biggest tips that influencers can do to make sure they can return on investment as much as possible? Good question. I think my biggest tips is like, developing a media kit mm -hmm. so your media kit has everything about you you have some case studies in there from prior campaigns that you worked on and even like i know sometimes some brands don't do a good job of actually telling the influencer how well the campaign did but i would say like ask for that you know ask the brand you know how did this perform you know like how can i do better like ask for feedback because one it lets the brand know that you care and two mm -hmm. it lets you know like how you can like maybe next time do something to make it perform better right yeah I would say also think about your content, right? Think about what you're producing. Like think about, you know, what are the areas that you're actually covering and what's your niche? Like what are you an expert at? Because when brands are looking through all these different influencers, they're looking at who stands out, yeah. who has the higher engagement, which I know engagement rate is hard because right now the algorithm is messing everybody up. So we know <laughs> that, we understand, but it's still something that we look at, you know, so making sure like, if there's ways that you can make sure your engagement rate stays up, whether that's, you know, being more consistent when, with your posting or being more, con however you can beat the algorithm, you know, figure that out. Um, 
for me, I just look at it for people. I look for people who actually have something going for them. They're actually telling a story. They're actually providing like true influence. Because right now it's like it's oversaturated. It's a everyone's an influencer, right? Or one so kind of like, be an influencer, right? <laughs> so it's kind of like what it is that you do that's special, you know, that really stands out, and then truly asking yourself, do I truly have an influence? Because there's some people who have a lot of followers, but they don't have true influence. They just have a lot of followers. So what is that niche? Or that thing, your expertise that you can really build out and show that people look to you for. Mm. And really that a brand can say like, oh, this is why we need to work with them. And I would think for an influencer, like say like you really want to work with a brand. Say like you really want to work with, I don't know, honey, I guess. Like don't be afraid to like reach out and pitch yourself. Like pitch yourself to the brand. Like let like let them like it's a million people we're always trying to look for. But if you come to us, like, you know, that's one foot in the door for us to be like, oh, this person really does fit the brand. They actually like us. They're actually using it. So it it makes it more authentic. And so I think that that's, you know, a good way to go about it. And I would just say the last tip would be know your audience. Like know know who the people are that you have influence over. So you can tell that story when you're pitching yourself the brand. Yeah. So let's talk about the pitch. Like what exactly should we include in a pitch? A nice, a nice email. No, I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> short, no. sweet, to the point. <laughs> yeah. No, I would say just like reach out. You know, explain like I guess your relationship with the brand, like whether you use it all the time or you know if you really like it, why you like it. You maybe share some case studies or something that you did in the past in the email, and share your media kit and say like I would love to work on you know work with you guys. I had someone pitch me the other day, and they actually sent ideas. They already thought about how they would want to work with honey and put like some thought starters in the email, which I thought was really cool. Cause I'm like, Oh, you're already thinking about Smart. how you can work yeah, with yeah. So I would say, you know, that's probably the, the things to do to put your best foot forward. You know, it's just try to provide as much information, you know, your subject line, you know, say something that might stand out. So that's what I would do. Okay. Well, I mean, those are all like super incredibly helpful things. So just to kind of get to you a little bit, I mean, we got straight to business. How are you doing throughout this whole COVID thing? I know you said you're back in uh, Michigan. Yeah, I I live in LA, but my mom was like, you should come home. You're like in LA by yourself. It's a little crazy in LA right now. And I live downtown, so I was like in the middle of the riot. My building got ran into by some rioters, so they like shattered our doors. So it was like boarded up. Like it's, it's been insane. But, you know, I understand. I understand everything that's going on. Um, but it was crazy. You know, at first, I was going through a lot, you know, because I once, you know, I was really working really hard last year. And then then COVID happened. So, I, like, the break I actually wanted, didn't know it was going to come in that form, came. You know, so I was like, oh, I've been wanting this. And I'm like, oh, I still have to work. And so I got a little break, right? I didn't have to, like, go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, you know, everything that happened with, you know, the police situation, and all that, that became a lot. And then for me, starting a new role during a pandemic, yeah. you know, working from home has been an interesting, you know, transition. You know, it's been kind of challenging because, you know, you kind of, when you start a new role, you're going to automatically go through imposter syndrome. Like you already, do, you do that naturally, right? Yeah. Or trying to just adjust. Yeah. So now you have to do it from like home. So you don't have to get like, you can't go to the office and like really get to know people. So you're trying to like, you know, figure that out. And then on top of that, we were acquired in the middle of all this. So it's like, you got to learn like working for two different companies at one time. So it's been very challenging. It sounds like very overwhelming. 
<laughs> yeah, it has been. But, you know, I'm finally at a good place. It's not normal, but I feel like I'm getting back to normal. Yeah. So. How's the adjustment, like, working from home been? I mean, we've been at it for a little bit longer. I used to love it. I don't know if I love it so much anymore. Yeah, you know, I'm like, I was, like, hoping and wishing for it. And then, like, now I'm like, I think I'm over this. Like, I think I need, like, office. Like, I want to meet my new coworkers, like, and not just on Zoom. Like, I want to go and see, because Honey has, like, a new office downtown LA. Like, I want to go see the new office. I want to yeah. have some free lunch. You know, like, I want to, like. <laughs> You're like, can I have my life back? <laughs> yeah, like, I want to enjoy, like, you know, the perks of an office. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think that, I honestly think we all needed this break. I think that we all were moving, you know, and running around and trying to figure out life. And, you know, I think this was the moment that everyone got to, like, be still. Yeah. And, like, think about themselves, what they want in life. You know, if you were in a relationship, you got to really think about that. You know, I heard, like, divorce is up. You know, like, I heard, like, just because people realize people they like second-guessing everything now that they got time. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, man, what I've been doing for the last three years. Oh, man, I haven't even talked to this person. Like, oh, like, it's... I think it was just a lot of realization that happened. Um, and that's needed sometimes. I don't think we wanted it to come in the shape of like a virus that no one understands. But, yeah. you know, but I think that, you know, we needed it. Um, so for me, I'm just navigating, you know, I'm just getting through it, you know. And, I, you what know, you, I think it's getting better. Yeah. Like, what do you think are the biggest, I guess, lessons or realizations that you've come to now that you've had to slow down? Uh, for me, it's just like prioritizing, like what's important to me. Um, honestly, this situation has really taught me what bad leadership looks like. <laughs> no shade. But I'm just being honest. Like leadership is so important. I think that we don't realize that until like you're in a situation where you can see like what bad leadership looks like and feels like. And then you're like, oh, definitely not that. <laughs> yeah. It's like if you're in a company, you have a bad CEO. It's the same, mm -hmm. it's the same moment, you know? So I think I realized that. I also think I realized just like enjoying the moments, right? Because I think what my biggest thing was like during this time, like having feeling guilty of not wanting to do anything, like feeling like I don't have the strength today. I don't even want to wake up and do anything. I want to. I don't even want to think. And I think being okay with that, because I think a lot of people were like, "Oh, now I have time to do everything that's been on my to do list." Right. And then we all waking up and was like, "No, not today." And then not today. And then I think that everyone kind of realized like. If I don't want to do anything, I don't have to. And if I do want to do something, then I, I will. So I think that that's kind of where we all, we all just kind of was like, we're just going to take it day by day and mm -hmm. get through it. You know, and work on our mental health. Like, I started to see a therapist during this time. Like, I've always wanted to. I love therapy. <laughs> I'm a <laughs> big advocate for it. Yeah, and I've never been. And so I was like, maybe this is a good time to start, you know. So that was one thing that I did. Um, just because I think mental health was so important during this time. It still, you know? is. It still is a struggle. I mean, everybody has like their own battles. I know for myself, I've uh, been struggling with the, the thing you were talking about is like being extra productive now that you have all this time. And yeah. then just being like, I have no energy to do anything. <laughs> exactly. And it's like, why don't I have energy? I'm not going anywhere. But it's just like you meant you're mentally drained. And that's mm -hmm. that energy. So mm -hmm. You know, I think that now it's just, I'm used to it. I'm adjusted or, or somewhat, you know, so yes, I think that's where I am. Definitely. So other than, you know, trying therapy, is there anything else that you've been doing to kind of keep your mental straight? 
I've been trying to work out, but I feel at that. Um, <laughs> I'm a horrible person when it comes to working out. I just recently bought me a cycle bike, so it's not going to get there until I get back to L.A. So hopefully that'll help me. Um, you know, because I try meditating. I'm horrible at meditating because I just can't sit still, but I try. I tried yoga a few times. I try to say, like, I'm going to wake up and do 50 sit-ups, 50, 50 push-ups every day and jumping jacks. And I do it some days and then I fall off. And then I started to cook because I wasn't cooking before. And so I started to try little things like baby steps. So I've been trying. Reading. I've been doing a little bit more reading, mm-hmm. you know. And then I think it was really important for me to come home and spend time yeah. with family. I know I wasn't supposed to, but my birthday just passed. It was last Saturday or last Sunday. And I, I threw a party. Sorry, but I threw a party and it felt good to be around people, you know, like and people that I know, like love and support me. And that felt good. So it's like, I'm sorry that I broke rules, but <laughs> I've been I've been following the rules for the last like four months. So I yeah. think that's like one thing that really is surprising people is just how much we take for granted. Because yeah. I sincerely just miss being around other people that mm-hmm. I enjoy their company or their energy or anything right. like that. So, I mean, I, I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I think the other thing I learned is how entitled we are as Americans. I didn't, I guess I always knew this has really opened my eyes of like people not even wanting to wear masks and it's like, wear the mask or don't go outside. You know, like. Yeah. You got choices. I mean, you do have a choice. You, you do, do have a choice. And I've seen people like go to the Capitol building with guns because they, they can't get a haircut. I'm like, I'm a woman. I can't get a manicure or hair. I can't get anything done. And I'm like doing just fine. <laughs> So, like, what are we talking about here? Priorities, people. Priorities. Yeah, priorities. Like, you know. So it's been, it's been, it's been interesting to watch. Um, I watch, I follow an influencer, um, Demetria. Mm. If you guys don't follow her, Demetria Lucas, but she's like super entertaining because she does like these recaps, and she keeps calling it like America's finale, finale, and she like does these recaps about what's going on in the world. And it's so funny. And she has, like, nicknames for Trump and, like, nicknames for Nancy. Like, it's hilarious <laughs> to watch. So if you guys don't follow her, and then she does shows, too. So, like, if you're looking for anything to watch, like, on Netflix, she does, like, recaps about, like, different entertainment things. So it, th- those things have gotten me through. Like, social media has gotten me through. Like, the memes, like, I've been – Twitter, like, Twitter's, like, a thing that I, like, was like, oh, that's a thing of a past. But I've been on Twitter, like, in the feeds because it's just, like, I need I need the entertainment. I need to laugh. So. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So what are your, like, top influencers that you follow or thoroughly enjoy? I follow a lot of art, fashion. Um, and then because I'm in the space, I just always have to follow people. So a lot of times when I come across someone's cool, I just save them. When it comes to fashion, I like Kalana Barfield. I like Quincy. I like Jerome Lamar. It's so many people, right? Because I follow so many people. Yeah. I was going to say, well, like, with your job. <laughs> yeah, like... When you're in the space, you're just in it. So it's, like, hard to, like, throw people out there. One time I interviewed with a company, and they were like, well, give us some examples. And I had, like, a total blank. And I'm like, why don't why am I having a blank right now? Because I should know these people from the back of my hand. But it's like when you're in it, you're just in yeah. it. Yeah, so. definitely. What is it about them that, like, makes you want to follow them? So for me, I always look at people that, like, since I'm into fashion, I like fashion girls that can dress. And guys, too. Like, like people that really just have, like, really good – uh, how to put their like they put their outfits together really well um when it comes to art I just like looking at dope art because just you know it looks cool agreed, agreed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um I, I follow people I worked with in the past and they were cool like I just like continue the relationship by you know following them um 
follow some artists. Like I'm into that. Like some musicians I follow. Um, and then, and then like I follow like Hype Beast and Complex and Huffington Post. You know, Time. <laughs> like I think my favorite is the blogs. Like I like following Baller Alert and Shade Room just to like you know see what's going on in the pop culture space and like laugh. I'm a comment reader. So I like to laugh at the outlandish comments and like, and I think it's hilarious. And then now I'm trying to like, I'm not a troll, but I like to like comment too. But I just don't like to comment with my opinion. And now I have to like argue with people. I hate arguing with people over the internet. <laughs> Cause it's like, why are we arguing? You know, I got into it with someone the other day on a comment and I'm just like, no, I'm not even being negative. Like, why are you being negative? Like, it's always trying to like, they're trying to outdo you. And then they always try to call you uneducated. And I'm like, how am I uneducated? Because I have an opinion that's different from yours. No, that doesn't make me uneducated. It just makes me like not, you know, have an opinion. So I try to like get away from social media because it can be like really, really draining sometimes. Like with like, mm-hmm. like too much. Like I'll be honest, a lot of people had a lot to say about the black square, you know, the moment that we did the silent thing yeah. and it was like different views about it. But I'm be honest, that day I was actually really happy and relieved to just see no content for one day. I was right. like, this is this is great. Like, and I was like, and I know we're doing it for a good cause, but I'm like, I am so happy not to see like advertisements, sponsored posts, selfies. Like, it was just a good mm. moment for like a break um, to see content because I'm always seeing content. So it was just like, it was a good exactly. moment. Exactly. So how do you put like boundaries on yourself then for like consuming all that content? So I try to like maybe you know, put my phone down, like try to like check Instagram, like maybe when I wake up or like when I go to sleep or, or when I'm about to go to sleep. And then sometimes during the day when I'm just trying to like just scrolling, but I try to like refrain from scrolling. Like I just try to yeah. like not do that. I even try to log out and like say like I'm not logging in. I just try to put myself on a break because it can just be a lot. It's just a lot of, sometimes there's a lot of negativity. It's just a lot of comments. It's just, it's just too much sometimes for your mental health. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so to wrap up our Slay Hour, is there anything, words of wisdom or anything like that that you feel like we should definitely be aware of going forward when it comes to influencers and brands? I mean, just know that it's a space that's always evolving, right? Mm. It's new. It's still fairly new. I think influencers are still trying to understand as far as brands are still trying to understand and, and more importantly, understand how to work with each other. Yeah. So it's like, you know, it's like starting to date someone new. You know, it's, it's going to like consi- consistently evolve. And I think that, you know, as we start to understand each other, you know, we we have to be flexible on our side and folks have to be flexible on their side, especially at a time during COVID where, you know, budgets are being cut and, you know, things are changing. So I think for me, it's just about like truly understanding your content, you know, understanding like how can you pivot during COVID? What do you think your audience truly wants to see? And what they need, you know, it, not necessarily that what they want to see. Exactly. What, they what need. do they need? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what they need from you, because what do they look to you for? So understanding truly who you are and your expertise. And, you know, and really picking out the brands that you really want to work with. You know, who do you think is best aligned with you and your audience and or who you love? You know, because it's always good to talk about something you love, mm-hmm. you know, and, and to get paid for it. Right. Of course. Right. That's <laughs> like yeah. the so, epic goal. Yeah, so I would say to just, you know, just work on yourself, man. Work on your brand because you're a brand as well, you know, and you're trying to work with other brands. So I would say that that's kind of my tips, you know, just 
understand your audience, understand what your influence is, your influence is and kind of just build from there. That sounds great. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. Oh my gosh, this was so informational. And I'm sure all of our audiences and readers are going to like love this because it's definitely prevalent right now. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you so much for having me. Sorry, everyone, for all the like ghetto business, people speaking to me and all that. You know, it's called real <laughs> life, okay? This is live for a damn reason. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, of course. And definitely, you know, if you guys have any questions, feel free to hit Jasmine up. You can follow me at Curious Chase on Instagram. Um, my name is Jasmine Chase, so you can connect with me on LinkedIn if you would like. I'm always here. So if you ever need, have any questions or you need anything or you want to, like, learn more about how you can work with brands, just hit me up. I'm a resource. Use me. Don't misuse me. But, you know, reach out to me, and I'm always, <laughs> I'm always here to help anybody. So, you know. Great. All right. Thank you so much, Jasmine. Enjoy your time with your family. Stay safe. And we'll see you soon.